The Mina Kime Show featuring Lenny is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook. You bet you get with Caesar Rewards. Must be 21 or older. Welcome back to the Mina Kime Show featuring Lenny. <laughs> the only NFL podcast, one of the host's favorite sleeper pick in this draft is himself. He's napping right now. He naps most of the day. That's Lenny. I'm Mina Kimes. I am joined on draft week by Jordan Reed, ESPN NFL draft analyst. Jordan does a terrific job covering the draft for us across many platforms. Um, Like myself, he is going to Kansas City tomorrow, and we are going to talk about the draft. We're going to do a mock draft, which is exciting, and we're going to do it the way I've done it the last two years, which is Jordan and I are going to pick the players that we would pick if we were drafting rather than trying to predict, which Jordan, I feel like this year – is a gift more than other years because you've been covering the draft for a long time. How would you rank or situate the uncertainty around the top of the draft this year versus other seasons? Well, it's very similar kind of to what we saw last year, but we kind of had an idea like a day before the draft that Trayvon Walker was eventually going to be the number one overall pick. But the way this draft is much different than last year is that there's always much more intrigue, especially at the top when it's a quarterback-driven draft. That's right. And we have a lot of different quarterbacks in this draft. And with Carolina, they've done a really good job of staying tight-lipped about it. I know Frank Reich just came out and said at this press conference that they have finally made a decision as far as who they're going to take with number one overall. And we'll probably find out a couple of moments before the draft or we Maybe know. We don't oh, stop it. it. Everybody knows it's Bryce Young. That one's fine. That one, he's Jordan for the audio audience is shaking his head disapprovingly at me. Maybe I'm wrong, but it feels like that one yeah. had, there's some certainty around it. It's after then, then that chaos reigns because I am not a, a mocker myself. Well, I am a mocker in other ways, but uh, I do read a lot of y'all's mocks. The Daniel Jeremiah's, the Todd McShay's, the Mel Kuyper's, Danny Kelly's of the world. And everybody seems to have a different opinion about what the Houston Texans are actually going to do with pick two. And nobody seems to have an inkling of whether or not teams are going to trade into the three spot for a quarterback with Arizona. So, Jordan, because there's so much uncertainty around those two particular slots, it's so hard to predict what's going to happen after that because literally the very top of the after the pick number one the top of the draft could go in so many different directions yeah if houston goes defense this draft is going to get really interesting just because all mock draft season we've been saying they have to take a quarterback and i still believe that i just don't see how they can come away from the number two pick picking that high and not coming out with the quarterback, Davis Mills, leading the league in interceptions a season ago. They signed Case Keenum, but we all know that he's a backup. So I know D'Amico Ryans is locked into a six-year deal. There's no rush on picking the quarterback, but there's just no guarantee that you're going to be picking this high again next season. And then how can you sell to the players in the locker room and then that fan base? They need a jolt to be jump-started somehow, and I just don't see how you can come away or not come away with the quarterback at number two. All right, well – Spoiler alert, one of us is picking for the Houston Texans, and that person will be taking a quarterback, I believe. Um, Before we get to the mock, though, we do have to uh, discuss the other big piece of news, (laughs) which um, came as a relief to me, and I feel like probably you too, because I think we were, we being like draft media 
NFL media, we're stealing ourselves to have the Aaron Rodgers Jets trade break like moments like on Thursday afternoon and it would blow up our programming the way it did a few years ago in Cleveland. So I, I'll just, I know this isn't about me, but selfishly, I was quite relieved when the news actually broke um, yesterday, Monday. I was on air. Adam Schefter broke the news on air. Um, there's some confusion about why I and my castmates look shocked. We weren't shocked by the trade. We were shocked because the way you can watch the video, Adam Schefter delivered the trade. He started with the Jets are sending pick 13 and then kind of, we were like, what? Because we had thought that pick was off the table. And then I, I don't remember the exact wording he did, but then revealed in exchange for pick 15, which you know obviously mitigates that a great deal. So just to kind of recap what was actually exchanged, because this was, I think, why this thing took so long to actually unfold after the news broke that was largely going to happen a month ago. Uh, the Jets get Aaron Rodgers, pick 15, and they get a fifth round pick this year. The Packers receive uh, pick 13, a second round pick this year. It's 42. So I think it's the one they got from Cleveland for Elijah um, Moore, which is interesting because kind of a three-team deal. Uh, just delayed. And they get a six-rounder this year. And then, and this is the sort of crown jewel of the trade, or I think the, the key to all of it. They get a 2024 conditional second-rounder that becomes a first-rounder if Rodgers pays, plays 65% of the snaps. So the framework of this had kind of been rumored for a while. I remember um, Charles Robinson of Yahoo, I think, uh, uh, theorized that it would be something pretty close to this, even with the conditional first rounder. Um, so I guess it's not completely surprising. The one aspect of it that surprised me a little bit, Jordan, is that the conditional pick was only based on six, Aaron Rodgers playing 65% of snaps. Because yeah. like, if you don't meet that, you're screwed. So, yeah. um, and and I think he will. I mean, not just because he's Aaron Rodgers; they're not going to bench him. But that's not a very low bar. He's played through or high bar rather. He's played through injuries before. I guess I had thought it would be something more like a playoff requirement, or maybe even further extending further out in time to try to ensure he's going to play more than one season. But I think for the Packers to get what should be locked in as a first round pick. I'm not. I don't think either side won this, and we'll get to the jet, the actual football of it all. But I thought that was a pretty nice haul. Um, Bill Barnwell did a column where he looked at the Jimmy Johnson trade value chart and netted it out at about a ninth overall pick. So, what was your take on the actual picks and compensation before we get to you know what the Jets are actually getting in Rodgers? So I actually was watching you guys live <laughs> when it actually happened, and I had the same exact reaction. As okay, good. You and Marcus feel justified when he said 13 you're like whoa yeah yeah okay so it was funny to see you guys's reaction live on air but I thought both teams did a really good job I thought it was a really fair deal for both sides and I agree with you I think the conditional 2024 I think that's the pick that was really holding everything up whether it was a percentage of what he was going to play or maybe it was a contract uh, situation how much each team was going to pay or something like that that was holding things up so I mean, I'm really happy that it got done, of course, just because the wait seemed like it was forever. The talks were ongoing, then they stalled, and then they picked back up randomly. So it's just good to finally have uh, into it all. But I kind of want to speak more so from the Packers standpoint, just because mm, I think good. they did a really good, good job. No. 
because like, I, I no think it's a little bit it's a little bit deeper than what a lot of people are looking at it from the surface of it. Just because I think the Packers were thinking more so of that conditional pick, just so Jordan Love maybe he doesn't prove to be the guy, mm. and I think that first round pick gives them a little bit more flexibility to say, hey, this guy isn't what we thought he was. And now they can give themselves some more flexibility to eventually trade up for a quarterback or they may be in contention for a quarterback. So I think that's an angle that a lot of people really aren't thinking. They're just looking at it from a surface level. Sort of like um, a little more flexibility. The Eagles adding a first rounder from the Saints. Now, now at the time, nobody thought it would be pick 10. I don't think I did. I mean, I I doubt the Saints would have traded it if they knew it would be that high. Um, But when they made that trade, there, I, th- I think it was a reasonable response to think, oh, this is a little bit of Jalen Hurts insurance because there were a lot of question marks around his future in Philadelphia, whether they would commit to him for the long term. Then he took an incredible leap, make it to the Super Bowl, gets the big contract, and now they have that extra pick. And that would be, of course, the dream scenario for Green Bay that Jordan Love plays really good this year. And they have two first rounders in the 20s next season and they're sitting pretty and they can continue adding around him. But I think it's a good point by you that it does give them a little bit more ammunition next year in the draft. Um, and of course, what is uh, has been predicted to be a very enticing quarterback class with Caleb Williams and Drake May as, yeah. as the headliners. Um, yeah, I, I think it's I, I like that for Green Bay. I like that flexibility. I also like the fact that this year, in addition to adding the second, which I really like for them um, because I think it aligns really well with their needs, jumping from 15 to 13 is not insignificant. And I'm going to put a pin in that because we're going to actually do a mock draft and we can talk about it when we get to their pick. But because of the actual, the particular teams they're picking there, in particular the Patriots at 14, and then the Jets, they they have some similar needs. I think kind of even jumping up two spots, I, it, it's not a lot. I'm not trying to oversell it, but it's not nothing. And you can see why, when you start looking at the players, you can see why Green Bay reportedly pushed for it at the last second, which is what um, I think Joe Douglas said today. It was kind of one of the last things to happen. Um, so football-wise, on the Jets side, talked about this a lot already. Look, obviously, anytime you go from a combination of Mike White and Zach Wilson to Aaron Rodgers, it's a win. Um, what version of Aaron Rodgers they're getting is a little bit of an open question mark. He's coming off of a season where he had you know, the lowest QBR yards per completion, all that interception, highest interceptions, I believe, of his career. Um, much of that underperformance, I do think, can be attributed to injuries and circumstances. Uh, so he will be healthy. He'll have a complete offseason by all accounts, he's committed to that offseason, which is another win for New York, by the way, to get this done early. I do think it was actually pretty important for them. Um, I, I'll be curious to see what the offense looks like because with Mike, with Matt LaFleur in Green Bay, we saw kind of a few different versions of Rodgers. At the beginning, there was a little bit of a clash because – Rodgers didn't want to play within the structure of the Matt LaFleur offense, which I've talked about a lot on this podcast. Um, the play, you know, he, Rodgers has complained about the motion. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, it's a, the under center play action, those sides of it. And then he kind of bought in and it was beautiful, right? He won MVP two seasons. And then last year, I think you saw that push and pull again a little bit. So Jordan, it'll be interesting to me 
to see what it looks like with Nathaniel Hackett in New York with Garrett Wilson. Okay, offensive lines, the question marks, a tackle, which we'll talk about. Brees Hall coming off of the injury. There's no doubt in my mind that it will be better than what we saw last year, but I think there's reasonable questions just of how much better it'll be and what it'll look like. Yeah, I'm with you. But the great thing for Rodgers is that he has some familiarity with the offense, being with Nathaniel Hackett before. So there's not a steep yeah. learning curve. That's always the thing you worry about with the quarterback, just because. And just speaking from language, uh, excuse, excuse me, speaking from previous experience, like it's like learning a new language when you have to learn a new scheme. Um, just speaking from a quarterback's perspective. So the great thing for Rodgers is that he already has that familiar terminology in the back of his mind. I'm sure he's been through so many different playbooks and he's going to have a lot of input into the playbook as well. But I, I think this receiver core that he's going to play with, I think it's one of the better ones that he's going to have hmm. in a very long time. Um, I know Devontae Adams was great, of course, but Garrett Wilson, I think his stock is way up after this. I think he's going to take that leap and he was great as a rookie, but now playing with Aaron Rodgers, I think he's only going to get better. Alan Lazard coming over was huge for him even though that probably was an Aaron Rodgers request for him to come over just because that's one of his best buddies in a sense from his time yeah. in Green Bay. But Brees Hall being that dynamic running back behind him, we'll see how he is post ACL. I think he'll be fine. Um, but adding him back into the mix, into this offense, there's a lot of potential. Um, there's some other pieces that they have. CJ Uzama is another intriguing piece. Tyler Conklin is a really good role player. So offensive line is really the biggest question mark, but if they can just be league average, I think this offense can be really good. Yeah, I mean, we're going to talk about the offensive line when we get to the drafting. And I do think at this stage in Aaron Rodgers' career, you know, protection matters more. He is less likely to um, extend the way he used to. And I think that is something I do expect to continue, right? Because that is what happened. He is turning 40 this season. Like that sort of discomfort with longer developing plays or when the pocket breaks down, but he also mitigates issues in pass pro, you know, he gets the ball out super quick. And this is regardless of, um, you know, what age he's been, he's always had that ability. So I think even if the, there's still some question marks, maybe at tackle, maybe they address one of them, whatever it's having Aaron Rodgers behind that offensive line versus Zach Wilson slash Mike White, they're going to look better because he's going to make them look better. And I think, I really do think a lot of the stuff we saw last year, especially as the season went on in terms of, you know, kind of throwing up prayers outside the numbers, not willing to use certain parts of the field that he, you know, did before. I, I do think a lot of that had to do with the personnel in Green Bay. So if he really buys into the personnel, which you kind of described just now in New York. Feels like they're still like, could use like another wide receiver, you know, as I think yeah. about it. Uh, maybe that's something they'll try to target in the draft, maybe not in the first round, but, you know, they still have that other second round pick. But it'll be interesting. I mean, I like I said, it's it, I wasn't going to say like, you know, oh, it's a winner or loss because of a conditional. You got Aaron Rodgers. You upgraded from Zach Wilson. It's a win. I think... You know, on the um, first takes of the world right now, they're debating what a win looks like. Do you have to win a Super Bowl to make it worth it? I'm kind of of the mind that it's a win if your team is going to be competitive and fun and you're not handicapping them forever. 
I feel good about right. that. Even if I, as we <laughs> yeah. have discussed, think that Green Bay got a good return. Yeah, I mean, I'm right there with you. And it's Aaron freaking Rodgers. Like, yeah. it doesn't get too much better than that. And based on what they've had over the past few years, they'll take it easily. Yes. Jets fans are ecstatic about it. And I'm just excited to see how it turns out, honestly. And the AFC is a gauntlet. It's not going to be easy. Um, yeah. I still don't think they're in that tier with the Bengals or the Chiefs. I think they're a step below that just because we haven't seen it. But the potential, especially with the young defense that Robert Sala has put together, if they're able to mesh, the division's tough. Uh, Miami, I think, is going to be much better than what they were a year ago after the fast start. Buffalo is always going to be there, of course. And who knows what New England is going to be next year. We'll see. Um, but there's a lot of potential for them. Yeah, I feel like people are kind of leaving Miami out of this conversation. Like, I keep saying, like, oh, they're going to compete with the Bills for the division. I'm like, Miami had a great offseason. I mean, I know there's, yeah. you know, obviously question marks with Tua, but I don't see this roster as being markedly better than the Dolphins roster by any means. Um, obviously, just got better at quarterback, but we'll see. It's, uh, yeah, the AFC is going to be a Thunderdome. All right. That's out of the way. We will pick for both of those teams. We will say what we want them to do now having swapped places. But we will start, of course, with the first overall pick. And we can actually go pretty – like, I feel like I've spent so much time talking about the dro top draft picks. I want to make sure that I give equal freight to teams like the Commanders or the Bucks. I don't know, teams that I haven't, like, spent as much time on. So I don't think you, this one needs too much discussion. You are picking on behalf of the Carolina Panthers. You're the first overall pick in this draft. You just put out a hype video with Luke Keekley talking about them taking Cam Newton there. Who is going to be your first overall pick? Oh, man, do we get a drum roll here or do we just go ahead <laughs> just and get it, it over with? <laughs> uh, Bryce Young, quarterback, Alabama. It, it just makes so much sense here. And, you know, Carolina was 31st in QBR, and there was a reason why they traded up from nine to one. I think Dave Tepper was very adamant in those draft meetings. He was like, look, guys, let's just – Stop with the veteran retreads. Let's just go up and get our guy, even if we have to sacrifice trading a player like DJ Moore, who was their best offensive player, not named Christian McCaffrey. So they get Bryce Young, Alabama. I, th I think this player is he he's special. That's the best word to describe him, the poise that he plays with, the leadership that he has. It's more so of a quiet leadership. But even in the two games that he that Alabama lost last year, Mina, LSU and Tennessee, he gave them a fighting chance. And Alabama's defense wasn't very good last year. We all saw it in the Tennessee game of where they were just very, very bad. But I think something that a lot of people aren't really realizing about Alabama a year ago is that they were not very good at wide receiver. And that's something that we're not accustomed to saying with Alabama. We know the names at wide receiver that have come out of there over the last decade or so, but Alabama just was not good on the perimeter last year. And Bryce Young still was able to make things happen. His leading receiver last year was Jameer Gibbs, who's a running back. So that just goes to show you that they were not very good on the perimeter. The offensive line was average. It wasn't accustomed to what we've seen in years past. And Bryce Young was just able to make things happen week in and week out. But with Carolina, I think this is a, a sneaky playoff team in the NFC. The NFC is not very great. Um, the South is, I mean, we'll see what the Bucks are. I don't feel good about their quarterback situation. The Saints will be better with Derek Carr there now. And, I mean, the Falcons, they look really good on paper. I will say that. But um, Desmond Ritter, he's still a big question mark. So, with Carolina, I love the offensive line. They're young and ascending. Yeah, they have like a lot too. of promising pieces 
on defense. Um, Carolina still needs help at wide receiver. I think I like Adam. I like adding Adam Thielen and DJ Chark, but I still think they need to add another wide receiver to the room. Terrace Marshall. They're still waiting for him to break out. Um, entering his third season now. So they still need some help at wide receiver and tight end as well. I would like to see them add another option there. So with Bryce Young, he makes things – he can make a lot of things look better than what they are, though. So I like the surrounding pieces um, as far as on the offensive line, but I would like to see them add another perimeter weapon. But getting Bryce Young, I think, would, would yeah. really, really help them. I would take Young, too. And I think to your point – I'd feel good about it if I was Bryce Young, not just because you're the first overall pick, but like it's a good situation. I completely agree that they could get better at wide receiver. I think, though, you know, having had to trade DJ Moore, obviously, to get the pick, I like the additions that they made at the values that they got them. I think DJ Chark as a deep threat for Young, too, will be one that people appreciate once they see it. Um, I've talked a lot about this offensive line. I think it's a good run game, obviously, a young defense. And then, you know, Frank Reich, like, I, that's a, like if you're young, like it's not perfect, but compared to like many teams that tend to pick first overall, it's pretty damn good. So yeah. happy for him. Happy for you. Congratulations. I'm picking next. I am the Houston Texans. I am not skipping out on a quarterback, even though I think there's a good chance that they will, as we talked about. I'm going to take CJ Stroud here. Um, So I guess this sort of, I haven't really given like a quote unquote official quarterback ranking. Um, and I have gone back and forth between Stroud and Richardson. Um, and I, and I, I think you can make a strong case for either. I think you can make a case for like Anthony Richardson at so many places in this draft. And, but I do, I ultimately I decided on Stroud just because I feel like for the Texans getting a quarterback with the floor that he brings will, Set the right, set the franchise in the right direction based on the talent that they have right now, the personnel, the coaching. Um, I think he'll be a good fit with my new offensive coordinator, Bobby Slowick, coming from San Francisco. I think he can operate a Shanahan style offense. I think they'll, you know, find ways to also use him, his legs in ways that we didn't see in college. And I feel good about it. Um, He's one who I don't have a feel for where he'll actually go in the draft right now. There's just so much noise around him and the uh, just all of it, <laughs> the testing and this and that. Yeah. Yeah. I just know, like, watching his tape, it goes beyond the Georgia game for me. I thought there were enough moments where he flashed creativity. Uh, I know, you know, he wasn't as great under pressure as maybe you would like, but I think a lot of that has to do with – I. I I just think that like once he arrives in the NFL and sort of is faced with maybe more adversity than he was in college, I wouldn't be surprised if given his tools, he can overcome it. So, and you know what? The Texas offense line is not that bad, by the way. So it could be worse. Yeah, it, it definitely could. And I think you're spot on with CJ. Like he, he's the most polished passer in this group. And I just don't, I get all the steam of the Texans wanting to take Will Anderson or Tyree Wilson, but you have to take a quarterback here. And there, you know, there's chatter of them taking a quarterback at 12, but it's like you're kind of working harder just to work backwards. That me. makes like, no freaking sense. I mean, I talked about this I last week it. where it doesn't make any sense. If you like a guy enough at, in the top half of the first round, you should take him at second and not risk it. I can't even – that 
as a strategy. Maybe if it happens and it falls into your lap, whatever. But even then, you're, you're constantly like it's just weird, and it rarely works. I know, like it worked out with the Ravens, Lamar, like um, picking the first round before him. But that's just ridiculous. All right, so I should I, I should have prefaced this all by saying we're allowing trades within the first <laughs> round. All right, yeah. So you're up next. You're pick number three. You're Arizona. What are you doing? So I would be shocked if the Cardinals actually stuck and picked on draft day on Thursday. I'm talking about. So we make a trade here. Oh, the Indianapolis Colts are coming up to the number three overall pick. And I use the framework of the Mitchell Trubisky trade in um, a couple of years ago from this. So when the Bears came up, they swapped picks with the 49ers. They gave up their third rounder and their fourth rounder that year, as well as a future third round pick. So that's the framework that we used here. And it's a hefty price. I know um, if you look at the charts, it's definitely going, the points are not going to match up, but I think this is going to be a very popular pick to trade up to, especially for teams that want to get that third quarterback. So the Colts don't risk it and they get their third selection and they go with Florida's Anthony Richardson. Oh, right here. I love it. Yeah. I want him to be a Colt. I've decided. I do too. I do. It's such a perfect spot for him just because he needs to go somewhere where he needs to, he can be nurtured by a proven quarterback developer. And I think Shane Steichen would be perfect for him. And I think the Colts offense, the way he's going to design it, if it's similar to what he did in Philadelphia, um, as far as a lot of quick games, short to intermediate with some deep shots occasionally down the field, but very run centric, Jonathan Taylor behind him would be great. They're going to improve the offensive line the best they can. You have two promising players outside and Alec Pierce, who had a really good rookie year, and yeah. Michael Pittman Jr., who's a promising player too. So they have some visible weapons. You have a really good running back in the backfield as long as he stays healthy. But Anthony Richardson adds another dynamic to take some of the stress mm-hmm. off of, you know, alleviate some of the pressure off of that offensive line being so great. Yeah. Um, so adding him in quarterback design runs, using him, uh, complimenting Jonathan Taylor. Just imagine trying to guard a game plan for both of those two mm. from a run game aspect. And then, of course, having to worry about his arm, too. So using the framework of what Steichen did in Philadelphia under the tutelage of uh, Steichen with Jalen Hurts, you use that blueprint. And I think that would be a really good situation for him. Like, you know, I, by the way, when I said I want the Colts for Anthony Richardson, like there's a many, the Lions would be an incredible landing spot. But I yeah. think as far as the teams that are going to play a quarterback immediately – after Carolina, um, for the other reasons you mentioned, it makes sense. I also think the more I've thought about Anthony Richardson and the more I've watched him and rewatched him, I do think it would actually just serve him to play because his rushing ability will give him, with the right coaching staff, a floor when he comes into the NFL in the same way that we saw Hurts early in his career, Fields last season, It'll create easier defensive looks, obviously, for him. And then he can kind of build um, on the passing game from there. And, uh, you know, Steichen's a perfect guy to do that. The trade does imply that, you know, the Colts thought someone else might jump there for him. So who that would be, I don't know. All they got to believe is it's just one to, to leap that one spot. But Arizona fans will also be very happy with it because uh, if they only fall to pick four, it means they still have their pick of the of everyone who's not a quarterback. 
I am picking for Arizona. I take Will Anderson. I don't even really need to get into it. Arizona could really take any player in this draft in terms of need. I think you could make a case for Jalen Carter, um, but I'm going to take the safest pick, uh, and that would be uh, Will Anderson. I, I don't even know who the top I, – I know they are. It's not Marcus Golden anymore. Arizona, can you oh, – off the top that. of your head. Yo, I mean, it is lost, a challenge so to name players yeah. on the Cardinals. So anyways, they get <laughs> one. Roster. Will Anderson, you're picking for the Seahawks. I don't even need to get into it too much. Um, you have pick five, your Seattle. Andy Richardson, who, you know, some people thought maybe the Seahawks would pick. He's off the table. So who are you taking? Um, I'm going to go with Tyree Wilson right here. And a lot of people are saying that Jalen Carter could go. And I think this is where the Jalen Carter watch begins. Yes. But the seat, I've kind of went back and forth on if they actually would take him, um, just because there's so many different directions of where they could go. But I keep coming back to the Malik McDowell situation that mm. could scare him off. But they've taken players with char- character questions in the past. But this Frank is what Clark you would do. So tell us, tell us why. Yeah. So I just think with the versatility that Tyree Wilson has, he can play inside, he can play outside. And this is a team that just needs pass rush help. They need help up the middle. They need help on the on the edge. And they were 28th in pass rush win rate a year ago, which is not very good. And they just had too many older guys playing too many snaps last year. Bruce Irvin played way too many snaps last year. And oh. putting a guy like Tyree Wilson in a role like that, I think that would help them tremendously. Yeah, and Tyree, you know, in the past, the Seahawks have focused a lot on measurables and unique physical types in the draft so in that respect it does feel sea hockey um i talked about tyree wilson a lot with deontay lee last week we're both fans of his with certain questions and reservations i wouldn't be too angry as a seahawks fan i think i'd probably take carter but i for all the reasons you said i would be excited to watch wilson in this defense to see if he can develop and i think his upside is really high that said i'm the lions and i am thrilled to take jalen carter here um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the I think it was Brad Holmes who said he felt more comfortable with him after meeting him. And look, yeah. I got into all the Carter stuff last week. Um, but just thinking about it from Detroit's point of view, this is a team that you could make a take case for taking corner, and they've been really linked to like Devin Witherspoon and whatnot. But I think that building the interior of that defensive line, they already have some players I like, like Lynn McNeil I'm a fan of. NC State, yeah. right? Uh, now he'll be in his third year. And they have young, like, they've really hit on some like later round draft picks. Um, Houston, yeah, uh, Rodriguez, Houston. you know, in that front yeah. seven. But he would be the most talented player in that front Without seven question. immediately and just give them that physicality and toughness that Dan Campbell really craves, both to stop the run and also get after the quarterback. All right, we're at pick six. Or seven, you have the Raiders. So I think the Raiders are fascinating because they could go in any direction. Just about to say any that. direction. Yeah. And there's a lot and of players still on the board. So this is one of the tougher teams to project just because they could go quarterback, they could go corner, they could go offensive tackle. Yeah. We don't really know what they're gonna do. And I went with Christian Gonzalez, the cornerback out of Oregon here. Spicy. Just That's a spicy if- pick. It is. If, if you think about the defense, they don't really have any long-term pieces that come to mind outside of Max Crosby. He's the only one that you feel really yeah. good about as far as 
if his contract or if he was entering a contract year, would you give him a lucrative deal? Outside of that, I don't really feel good about any of those guys. Chandler Jones hasn't been what they have expected. And I mean, they do have some intriguing pieces in the secondary. I will say that Trayvon Morreg and Nate Hobbs are two players that they seem to be pretty high on, but there isn't that top of the line player that you say, oh man, yeah, this is a blue chip type of player. But Christian Gonzalez adds that to the secondary. And this is a team that they had a league worst six interceptions last year. They were tied with the Giants for the lowest in the league. And Christian Gonzalez, he has outstanding ball skills. Um, he, he's just so polished. He's my top ranked cornerback in this really? draft. I know there's a lot of Devin Weatherspoon love out there, who's a tremendous player. He's my second ranked corner, but yeah. I love Gonzalez's length. He reminds me a lot of AJ Terrell when he was coming out mm. of Clemson. And I think he has that same type of upside too. And the Raiders need that type of player on the perimeter. Yeah, I, I would. I think with the guys we still have on the board, this is, you, you said Jalen Carter watch starts with Seattle. This would be where Will Levis watch really. Yeah. I mean, you could say Will Levis watch starts earlier. Um, you know, after the Colts, if the Colts don't pick him, I haven't seen heard him being linked to either Seattle or Detroit, both of whom are teams that could take a quarterback, but that is not something I've heard. But this is where you're suddenly like, I think there would be like an expectation at this point, like, oh, you're the Raiders, you need a quarterback. Quarterback's Jimmy Garoppolo, take Will Levis. But I also think you can make a really strong case for not going quarterback here for the reasons that you described it's not a good football team right now um just so many holes so and and, you know this is a a roster that was really left in shambles by the previous gm uh dave ziegler who's our current gm didn't really get to pick last year so you know i i think he's gonna this is another spot where i think you might also be looking at you know team starting to trade up too but i think getting a blue chip defensive player would be smart for them but you could make a case like you said, for a bunch of other positions. Um, so the Falcons are really interesting. They're next at eight. Um, they, I've talked about this, made a ton of additions in free agency on defense. Jesse Bates, up front, Onyemata, um, Caden Ellis, Clayus Campbell, leaving out guys. There was someone else that they, oh, Bud Dupree. Yeah. Um, you just like adding a lot of competent veteran help. And I thought that's pretty important for the new defensive coordinator, Ryan Nielsen coming from the Saints. Um, Offensively, they're actually in decent shape outside of a potential question mark at quarterback. And again, if there's a quarterback on the board here, that might be in play. I, however, I'm, I'm Terry Fontenot. Ryan Nielsen screaming in my ear. Give me Witherspoon. (laughs) (laughs) He's he's still, um, they did make that trade for Jeff Akuda, but that to me is just a, like, let's see. That's certainly not yeah. prohibitive from drafting a corner. And the thing about Ryan Nielsen is I do think we're going to be a little bit, see a, a bit of a shift in the defensive scheme from Pease. And, and prior to that, um, I do think he wants cornerbacks who can play, who, who are pretty scheme agnostic, but can play tight man coverage. I think Devin Witherspoon answers the call and putting him again across from AJ Terrell. That'd be an awesome duo. I would love that. Yeah. Um, so I'm happy. I'm the Falcons. I've got Devin Witherspoon, who's Mina Combs' favorite player in the draft. <laughs> I love it. Um, I'm up next with Chicago, another team that is very fascinating to me. 
But this has to be a trenches pick, whether it's offensive line or defensive line. And I went with Peter Skaronsky, yeah. the offensive tackle slash offensive guard out of North Northwestern. Um, a lot of mixed opinions about him as far as if he's a guard or a tackle. Me personally, I would try him at tackle first and make him prove that he can't play there first before I slide him inside just because it's a premium position. And we had this same talk about Rashawn Slater when he was coming out of Northwestern. There were some people that believed he was a guard. He didn't have the length to play tackle. And when healthy, he's been just fine. So I, the most interesting dynamic for Ryan Poles to me is that Braxton Jones really throws a wrench in all of this? Yeah, I was just, just about because to ask he's about a that. natural, he's a natural left tackle. And even if they, let's say they don't even take Skaronsky, you have Paris Johnson, who's primarily played left tackle, Broderick Jones, who's primarily played left tackle. So, do you really want to create two holes with one, with moving him around and making space for somebody else? I just don't really see that. Yeah. Um, so. That's why I go Skaronsky right here. He's played all five positions during his time at Northwestern. He actually came to Northwestern as a center. So there's so many different positions that he can play. Can, do you think he can start at right tackle immediately? Because when I look at the Bears' offensive line, I could see it shaking out. Not not with Skaronsky in mind, but just generally. They you know they trade for Nate Davis. The interior looks somewhat short up, but there could be some replacements there. As you mentioned, Braxton Jones, who's a fifth-round draft pick, played a lot better than anyone expected last year at left tackle. Potentially, is Skronsky, do you think, capable of immediately coming in and starting on the right side? Yeah, I think so. Just because he's, I mean, he's played every single position yeah. during his time there. So I would try him first at right tackle. But the great thing about it is that even if he doesn't hold up at right tackle, I think it'd be just fine at guard, which is another hole that they have. They have a lot of positions that they need to address along the offensive front. But things look a lot better if you add Peter Skaronsky to the fold. Yeah. Yeah, I, that one, not a lot of, that's not a huge surprise. She feels like oh. a lot of people have <laughs> the Bears going Skaronsky there. We'll yeah. see. Um, well, I'm the Eagles at 10. I'm disappointed because I wanted Peter Skaronsky. He's very eagerly. Um, <laughs> For sure. So I am pivoting. There's people out there who think I'm going to take a running back at 10. No, I'm <laughs> Philadelphia. That's not what we do. I do what we do, which is trade, trade down. The Will Levis watch is over because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have traded Whoa. up from pick 19 to pick 10, giving up their second round pick and a future third in the process to get Will Levis. They are jumping the Tennessee Titans. They are worried that the Titans are going to take their quarterback <laughs> of the future. They think they're their best shot at finding their next quarterback. Um, I want a team to do this. I want either the Bucks or the Vikings or the Commanders the other teams that need quarterbacks late. Those are the three that come to mind immediately to jump up and take one of these guys. This, because Will Levis has fallen in our mock, this feels like a reasonable move for Tampa without giving up too much. And I like it for them. Um, it's funny because I, you know, Bruce Arians is no longer in Tampa. And I think, Will Levis seems like such a Bruce Arians quarterback. I know, um, but the the quarterback that it, or the quarter the offensive coordinator that's coming into Tampa is Dave Canales from Seattle, and you know there's not like a ton known about him. But last in Seattle, working under Shane Waldron, their offensive coordinator, um, 
you know, they ran an offense with some Rams DNA in it for Geno Smith. And I think that's the kind of offense you want to run for Will Levis. A lot of under center play action, booting him out, throwing deep, yeah. using him. They'll probably find ways to use him as a designed runner as well. And, th- and the reason I want Tampa to do it is Tampa's not a bad football team. Like the, 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 no. the Tampa's in an odd spot, Jordan, because I don't think they're going to be in a position to get Caleb Williams next year. Maybe I'm wrong, but the roster is still like has a lot of talent. So my feeling is if you can take a shot at one of these guys this year and you can do it without giving up like crazy draft capital, why not? So yeah. the Eagles are at 19 now and Tampa has their quarterback of the future, Will Levis. I love it. Can't feel comfortable about going to a training camp battle with Kyle Trask and Baker Mayfield. <laughs> not at all. Yeah, all right, as a Bucks so, fan, that's that's not not something you want yeah. to stare down the barrel of this season. Not at all. All right, so I have the Tennessee Titans at number eleven overall, and this is a team that's in a really interesting spot too, just because they've been rumored as a team that could trade up for a quarterback. Um, they could go wide receiver. They could go offensive line. Um, they bought over some pieces along the offensive front. Andre Dillard, they gave him a pretty big deal to start at left tackle. So I'm going to continue to add to that offense. I'm going to go with Jackson Smith and Jiggle mm. out of Ohio State, the wide receiver, just because this wide receiver group was not good last year. And they took uh, Traylon Burks last year in the first round. He only played in 11 games, I believe it was. But their leading receiver had 527 yards last year, which was Robert Woods. And he's no longer on the roster. And just a crazy stat that I found about that. So that's the fourth fewest for a leading wide receiver on a team in the last 15 years, which is not very good wow. at all. So adding Jackson Smith and Jigba into the fold, I think that would be great for them. And everybody knows that this is probably Ryan Tannehill's last year there. I know this is the last year of his deal. They seem to be searching um, for an exit ramp or an off ramp away from him somehow, some way. Um, there's been some rumors that he's out there for a trade, but just don't see anybody trading for him at that number at 36 or 37 million during his final season. So yeah. let's just go ahead and get him another weapon or a weapon for the future, the quarterback of the future there. So pairing Smith and Jigba with Traylon Burks, I think that gives them a dynamic duo on the perimeter. I like how they fit together too. Um, very different skill sets. Smith and Jigba, you know, will primarily play in the slot. He's more of that reliable kind of chains mover guy you're going to see a lot on slants and option routes and in breaking stuff which by the way I think Tannehill and him make a lot of sense as well but Burks can be more of that deeper threat for them stretch the field a little I mean they not you know they could they probably could use uh metaphor batting another speedster but I think um they have complementary skill sets you know with the Titans there's a lot of positions that they could have addressed but I like the idea of you know getting the best wide receiver and the top wide receiver in the class. Um, yeah, so I like it. Okay. It's interesting. We're at 12, and offensive tackle hasn't been taken, and this is when you start getting like a little bit, or 11 really. After Skaronsky, you're like, okay, is that, are the Titans going to take an offensive lineman? Because we're going to get to the offensive line glut in a second. But I'm the Houston Texans. I don't need an offensive lineman. Or I don't need a tackle. Um, I've got my quarterback of the future in C.J. Stroud. There's a lot of break ways I could go here. I could go wide receiver too as well, by the way. 
Um, so yeah, Robert Woods. I could add to the secondary, but I desperately need pass rush. Not so much so that I'm going to take Will Anderson over quarterback, but um, <laughs> D'Amico Ryans wants another edge rusher to add to his front seven, and we are taking Nolan Smith out of Georgia at pick 12. Maybe a little bit rich. I haven't seen where Nolan Smith has been mocked lately, but he is my edge three, personally. Talked about this a little bit last week. And I like him for D'Amico Ryans. You know, it's going to be a 4-3. They're going to have him rushing out of a fairly wide alignment where I feel like his speed can be a tremendous asset. I don't know, um, you know, like if he's going to be an impact player from day one. But I think he has the potential to become one, and I really love pairing him with D'Amico Ryans. So, yeah, I mean, I'm right there with you. Like, if I was the Eagles at ten, I would take him. Really, you would have <laughs> taken him? Highest, okay. Yeah. Is he your edge three think, or? Uh, yeah, yeah, he's my edge three. Um, he's exactly like a sign Reddit. That's been the yeah. comparison used for him, and you can see that a lot as far as from their build, um, their pass rush ability, how strong they are against the run. So. D'Amico getting him here, I think that would be a great start uh, to the defensive rebuild for them there. Okay, by the way, so now we got to the trade, which we I said we were going to talk about. So the Packers were at 15. They have jumped up to pick 13. They have leapfrogged uh, the Jets and the Patriots in doing so. Who are you going to take? Pick 13. Yeah, so Green Bay is really interesting. They're always one of the harder teams to predict to, but everybody likes to give them a wide receiver in the first round yes. for whatever reason. And they haven't taken one since Javon Walker in 2002. So wide receiver, I don't think is going to be an option here, especially with Jackson Smith yeah. and Jigba going. Would you take him if he was still there? For them too. If, if it was me, yes. Okay. Brian Gutekunst, no chance. Yeah, too small, <laughs> right? I mean, they always take yeah. bigger. Yeah, anyways. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Yeah, All right, so, so, so he's gone. He's gone. Too rich for a I tight go, end, I imagine you're thinking. Yeah, it is. Too rich, especially in a deep class. Um, I went with Clemson defensive end Miles Murphy <gasps> right here, who really Ooh. fits their profile. He, re I could see him reminding them a lot of Rashawn Gary when he was coming out of Michigan. This yeah. big, young, <laughs> really athletic similar. player. Big, young, athletic player that had production in spots but never really reached that potential like he had walking through the door as a big time high school recruit, only 21 years old. And also Rashawn Gary's recovering off a torn ACL. So there's yeah. going to be a lot of snaps for him early on opposite of Preston Smith. And that's exactly what he needs. He just needs reps. I think he's going to continue to get better. Preston Smith, I think is entering the latter years of his contract there with yeah. the Packers. So they go ahead and get a succession plan in place. But while those three are there, you have a really solid rotation of those three. And I could see him having a Rashawn Gary type of trajectory going on his second or third year in his career. I think this is such a fascinating draft for the Packers organizationally because everything you just said, like they really do need a pass rusher. And you can like Miles Murphy at 13 is it's a better value than a tight end, right? You you would say that. Um, however, and organizationally, this is what they do. They don't. They're not going to take a little, you know, a little pass catcher. They're not going to take one there. It's just not what they've been doing. But I think that there's 
suspicion that they might deviate from what we've seen. One, because this is my suspicion, because they jump the Pats and the Jets in particular, who I think people are associating with offensive tackle and pass catchers. So the feeling is like, well, you do that to go offense. And then also because Jordan Love is not Aaron Rodgers. Like, right. you know, it was so long we've been like, yeah, they don't take pass catchers. Well, maybe you don't take pass catchers because you know you have Aaron Rodgers and you don't need to. Yeah. And maybe this organization says, hey, that that's gone. We got to help Jordan Love. You know, we're we're in a battle now to win this breakup and we got to help our guy yeah. by giving him either an offensive tackle or a pass catcher. I don't know what they'll do. But I don't, your pick makes a lot of sense. You make a good case for it. But um, I think we're going to learn a lot about the Packers and whether their organizational philosophy is evolving in a post Rogers world on Thursday. So I can't wait. I'm, I'm excited because yeah, it could completely change our idea of like what the Packers do. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. uh, the, yeah, their norms and all of that. All right. Well, uh, I've got the Pats. I'm delighted you didn't take an offensive tackle because I need an offensive tackle. I also need a pass catcher, but um, I need an offensive tackle just as much. Um, I'm going to take to, well, I really play on the left or the right side. And I think at some point be an heir to Trent Brown, who's getting up in the years. So I'm going to take um, Paris Johnson out of Ohio State here. Um, I don't feel like super convicted in it. I actually went back and forth between him and Broderick Jones. You know what? I'm changing it. I'm taking Broderick Jones. Ah! <laughs> I'm going to take Broderick Jones out of Georgia here instead. Sure? I don't know. Who do you have here. higher? No take, no take backs. No take backs. I have uh, Broderick Jones higher than no! Paris. No. No. I took Broderick <laughs> Jones. Okay. You're picking for the Jets. Who are you going to take? I'll take Paris Johnson. <laughs> Um, but, well, before we take a break, because we're halfway through this, why why do you have uh, Broderick Jones over Paris Johnson? Because I, I I watched them, but I, I had them as pretty comparable. So this is where it's important to have a short term view and also a long long term view of a player. Right now, Paris Johnson is more polished. Yeah, he's more athletic. Um, he's more ready to go right now. But with Broderick, he's just so young. He's only had 19 starts in his career. Four of those coming last year in the college football playoff and obviously um, the 15 games this past season. But his upside is immense. His athleticism is evident, but he's just he just doesn't have a lot of polish with his hands right now. And that just comes with reps. But when you see him move um, in his past sets, you see him move on screen passes. He has that unique ability of being able to come to balance um, and just be firm at the point of attack. And I think that's just so rare in the offensive tackle. So. Right now, he's not as good as Skaronsky or Paris Johnson or any of these other tackles. Darnell Wright right now, but two to three years from now, I could see him being the best of the bunch. It'll be really interesting to see how these tackles shake out. And also, yeah, Field posited this on NFL Live. Because it does feel like they're all going to go real quick, we'll see what happens with the Titans. I think in the Eagles, these are kind of wild cards. But potentially, you can look at 9, 10, 11, 13, 14, 15, and argue every single one of those teams could take an offensive tackle, starting with the Bears down through now the Jets. Um, Field had an interesting suggestion, which is you might see one of those teams make a little mini move up at some point yeah. to try to get to specific players. So this is a little 
going to call it the offensive line gulch in the draft because they're going to go. They're going to fly off the board. All right, let's take a quick break. We're not exactly flying through this. (laughs) And come back (laughs) with pick number 16. Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace, all this can be yours when you bet with Caesars Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns reward credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, register using code OMAHAFULL, and then place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great, keep those winnings. But if you lose, you'll get your stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and older only, offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. New users and first $10 plus wagers only. Must register with an eligible promo code. Bet's amount of qualifying wager returned only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet $1,250. Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to the account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See Caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Massachusetts, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-426-2537 or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. As you guys know, NFL teams can make mistakes when it comes to spending money. For example, cover your ears, Broncos fans. Russell Wilson has a $53 million cap hit this year. <laughs> but uh, unlike the uh, Walton family, I'm guessing people listening to this podcast don't have millions to spend. Maybe some of you do. I don't know. Get at me. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products, and they decided to do something better. They found their own way to make a beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of other big brands. So you never wonder if you overpaid. They have customizable delivery options for scheduled refills as low as $2, which is half of what you pay for big brands. Convenient subscription options that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best does not mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash M-I-N-A. That's harrys.com slash Mina for a $3 trial set. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. And I have to say, speaking from experience recently, having tried it for the first time in Detroit, it is absolutely delicious. Right now, you can get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. It feels like the only two position where I'm like, this is a clear cluster. Because I haven't, looking through the draft, there wasn't really anywhere else that, I guess at the top quarterback potentially, right? But other than that, nothing else really jumped out to me. Um, well, I, I'm at 16. I'm the Commanders. I don't need an offensive lineman. I mean, I could take one. I'm just, you know. But um, I have decided not to trade up at quarterback. The Bucks did it already. So I'm rolling into this year with my, my Brissette Howell competition. My depth chart, as I've 
set is actually surprisingly decent. Um, I don't have many glaring needs. But one position that I do feel like I could augment, and I see this as an opportunity to do so, is cornerback. So I, Martin Mayhew, am taking Joey Porter Jr., cornerback out of Penn State. Um, Talked about him last week. He is my CB3 behind. I have Witherspoon and Gonzalez in like a pretty significant tier of their own before this next group of corners. But I really like Porter Jr. Um, Extremely physical, extremely long. I think, you know, in Penn State, they play a lot of man coverage and and the commanders under Jack Del Rio played more zone. But I actually really like him as like a ball hawking zone corner. Um, And I think, you know, he can play both. One thing you talked about, um, the, uh, the Lions not having or pardon me, the the Falcons not getting their hands on the football. The Commanders uh, didn't have a cornerback finish in the top 30 of the NFL in terms of PBUs, and wow. they're going to get them from Joey Porter Jr. He's going yeah. to get his hands on the football. Could be some growing pains, could be a little bit of grabbiness early on, but I think his he's got the measurables and the – ball skills and uh, recognition abilities to be a, a really good corner in the NFL. So I'm happy about this. And with him, the grabbiness is something that you're always going to have to deal with. And he reminds me a lot of Xavier Rhodes. With yeah. Rhodes, it was just a matter of what made him click and become one of the better corners when he signed that big extension with the Vikings is that he knew the timing of when to be grabby. So I think that's an area where he's got to really improve as far as Joey Porter. He just has to understand when he can grab and when he cannot grab. But him eliminating it completely, that's something that's never going to happen just because that's just his, it's just his innate ability to – it's just something that's a part of his game. It's kind of hard to describe with him. He's always going to grab. It's just his natural reaction. So him learning the timing of when to be able to do it, that's, that's the big adjustment he's going to have to make. Okay, you've got the Steelers. Pick 17. Yeah, this is a team that also – is in a very interesting spot. I think they have to go corner or offensive tackle, whether it's at 17 or 32. Um, Them having what I like to call two first-round picks, in a sense, after the Chase Claypool trade, Mm. this is a big opportunity for them to add two key players to their roster. So at 17, I went with Deontay Banks, the cornerback out of Maryland. He is actually my CB3 in this draft class. It's fair. Um, It's fair. I love him. my 14 overall player. I'm a big, wow. big fan of Deontay Banks. Six foot, um, 197 pounds, blew the doors off of the combine. Really fluid, aggressive, instinctive. Needs to get better as far as finding the ball and flight, getting his head around to find it there. Ball skills could serve to improve, but he just feels like a Pittsburgh Steeler to me. He's super tough. Um, I think from day one, he could be a starter. For them, they actually were 27 in touchdowns allowed. Last year, they allowed 17 touchdowns, uh, which is a very high number. And Deontay Banks is a player that maybe he's never going to be a high interception type of player, but past deflections and past breakups, he's always going to be very high in that area. Mm. I like him a lot. I mean, I I had him, Porter Jr., kind of in the same zone. Um, another guy, just immense physicality. At the line of scrimmage, sometimes yeah. 
hilariously so. And I, I think he'll fit in well with that Steelers defense that does a bunch of different things, but I think he's, he's shown that capability. Um, and I, I do like them going corner. All right, I've got the Lions. I'm at pick 18. Mm. Here we go. This is I already a big got Jalen Carter for my defense. I'm going tight end here. Ooh. I'm going Dalton Kincaid. And wow. part of me feels like this is sacrilegious because I have been like the Michael Mayer enthusiast this entire process. And Michael Mayer with his blocking ability the fact that you'd want him in like a very play action heavy offense. It, that does feel like it makes a lot of sense for Detroit. I haven't seen if he's being mocked there or what, but I want Kincaid for them. I like them both a lot because I think he gives the, he adds an explosive element that I think this offense will really need. It's an offense, by the way, they won't have Jameson Williams at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Not that, they operated most of that last season without Jameson Williams, but they also lost DJ Chark. So pass catcher is a sneaky need for them right now. And I would rather take Kincaid than one of the wide receivers, especially given that, you know, he's not Michael Mayer, but he can block, by the way. And I feel like a tight end is a very obvious glaring need for this team. And I think, you know, just to give Jared Goff another downfield threat up the seams. Um, I feel like this would be, it, it would maintain that level of explosiveness that we saw from the Lions offense uh, season. So, Lions fans are not going to be happy with you. Really? Because of the whole TJ Hawkinson thing. Yeah. They still have a nightmares from that. But he was good. He was. He was. I mean, 18 is not nine, by the way. So it's just, yeah. and I feel like after you already got Carter, yeah, I mean, ugh, he's a really good player. He is. You're right, though. I do wonder if that would scare them from taking a tight end, even though they're coached by a tight end. So, all right. Yeah. <laughs> you have pick, you have pick 19. A reminder to folks, we traded down from pick 10. The, the Bucks traded up for Will Levis, the Eagles. Added a, you know some picks, but they are at pick nineteen, and they of course have pick thirty as well. Who are you taking? So I know we said the Eagles don't take running backs in the first <gasps> round, but this is, this is our mock draft, and it's I happening. just want to see. I, I'm so intrigued by how this offense will look. So I took Bijan Robinson right here. Just imagine adding him into this offense with Jalen Hurts, AJ Brown, Devontae Smith. Dallas Goddard, it's like, what do you do to defend that? And it's not like he's just a rushing threat. He can kill you out of the backfield, too, as far as a receiver. So there's so many different things he brings to the table. Yeah, I just think he is the final piece of this offense that really would make it unstoppable. He's a much bigger upgrade than Miles Sanders, in my opinion. I know they bought over Rashad Penny, but we know he's had some durability yeah. issues in, in his past. But adding B. John Robinson... I know it goes against what Philadelphia <laughs> has done historically, but I'm just really, really intrigued by adding him into this Listen. offense. And you get him for five years, it, it just makes a lot of sense to me. It's very different at 19 from 10 also. I agree. So that's um, Yeah, I mean, I think the all you had to say was the first five words. I would like to see it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Which is how I feel. Oh, I'd like to see it. Um, I don't know if I'd do it, but I would like to see it very much uh, for all the reasons that you outlined. 
I was about to say did this you, is where B. John Watch starts because did, I think did you after see this, what we said on live today? That he would like to play, play Jalen Hurts as the quarterback. Yes. He, they are really pressing this man. Like, I don't think the Eagles are going to do it. Everything in that organization's DNA and their history tells me they're not going to do it. Yeah. But he's like visiting them. He's talking yeah. them up. It's just. Only two teams, Tampa and Philly. Those are his only visits. That's, well, that I think is a reflection of like, why do you need to visit with B. John Robinson? Yeah. Like everybody knows he's good, and also like the most, you know, everyone says he's like this like perfect human. So yeah, I think, and that actually makes me think that the Eagles want people to think that they're interested right. in them, right. so they can trade. So I don't know. It's just all right. So um, boo, 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 we are at pick twenty one. I just realized that wait, no, no, we're at pick twenty. Sorry. Yeah, we're at twenty. Okay, so let me look at my little. Draft. Who was that pick 20? It's uh, Vikings? No. Sorry, I lost my exact order of things. Let me open it again. Okay, pick 20 is scrolling. Anyway, trying to make sure I didn't miss any of our trades. Oh, it's Seattle. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> This is to prove that I'm not a homer. I'm trading down. Actually, wow. is what Seattle would do. Let's be clear. A homer would say, give me cool, fun player here. But um, I guess for this exercise, we actually are trying to be homers because we're trying to do what's best for the team. So you can scratch everything yeah. I just said. <laughs> um, no, listen, there are a lot of... Um, players here that could help Seattle a lot of players I'd be excited to see on the Seahawks but I'm trading down I'm picking up uh I'm trading down to 31 with the Chiefs I'm picking wow. up a couple thirds in the process I don't know I have to figure whatever it's it's good um <laughs> and um I'm doing that because that's just I think it's what's best for the team. I don't love any of the players here. I want to take multiple shots on goal, yada, yada, yada. So the Chiefs are drafting here. So the Chiefs, in doing this trade, have jumped the Chargers, which is relevant because we're taking Zay Flowers. Ooh, the Chargers, I Tom Telesco, shaking his fist. This division rival jumped him for the player that everybody thought he was going to take. But... Much like the Chargers, I think the Chiefs could also benefit from adding some speed in their wide receiver core. It's an offense that flourished last year with, um, you know, Hardman in and out of the lineup. Um, Marcus Valdez-Scantling at times did what prove a serviceable deep threat. But the way I see it, you know, they're with the, the players that they have right now, tight end group, Sky Moore, um, even though I, I, I like MVS, I do think that Zay Flowers gives he, he is the separator in this class. Um, not a perfect prospect, undersized, but let me put it this way. He's so fast that a lot of his tape at BC is him having to slow down. He will sure. not have that problem with one Patrick Mahomes. Um, I want to make my uh, last year, my offense evolved this year. I want to make it more explosive and evolve again. So give me Zay Flowers, the Chiefs, 
Seahawks trade down to 31 and pick up a couple of extra picks in the process. I love it. So he must have got a great review from Patrick Mahomes after working out with Patrick Mahomes. They did? I didn't even know yes. that. Yes. Wow. Flowers worked out with Patrick Mahomes. I love Chargers it. mad. You're the Chargers. How are you feeling right yeah. now? You're 21. We're very mad because we need <laughs> a wide receiver badly. Keenan Allen and Mike Williams have had some durability issues, and they're both yeah. getting up there in age. So I think this is a great spot for a tight end, but I don't think they need to force a tight end just because it's a great receiver class. So Michael Mayer could be an option here. But I think a sneaky need for the Chargers is at edge rusher just because they don't have any depth behind Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa. So I'll go with Lucas Van Ness out of Iowa. I think he would be a really good pick um, for them here. Um, and just another stat that I found about the Chargers. So teams averaged 5.4 yards per carry against them last year, which is an enormous number that needs to come down. Um, Lucas Van Ness did not start a game at Iowa, but that's just how the program goes. He still outsnapped the players ahead of him, but they just start seniors. That's just what they've historically done. So I don't really factor that into the equation. I think that's been overblown about him, about him not starting any games, but the athleticism, the heavy hands that he plays with still needs to improve his pass rush repertoire. That needs to definitely improve. But as far as the power that he plays with, he's ready from day one. And I think he would be a really good change up behind hmm. those two. Yeah, that, that is, I mean, you could go anywhere on the defensive line. And I think he has some inside out versatility that I think they would value as well. You spoke to his power, I think also playing behind you know, with Mac and Bosa starting the season healthy, um, you know, gives him time to develop as a pass rusher as well. A pass rush is something I would not be surprised if, if they don't go wide receiver tight end. Wouldn't be surprised if they go pass rush because depth is always an issue with charters, sadly. Okay. <laughs> I am 22. I am the Baltimore Ravens. I was thinking I might go corner here, but my top four corners on my board were already taken. And because of that, because of the way this draft has shooketh out, bring back Marcus Peters, I don't know. And <laughs> I will draft Jordan Addison out of USC. Um, you know, I think after corner, wide receiver is obviously something everyone's looking at, even with the addition of Odell Beckham Jr. He's on a one-year deal question marks about both the health of him and Rashad Bateman. Um, I, you know, my friend, Nate Tice, I remember what was telling me, you know, when, when they, when the Ravens signed OBJ, he was like, him and Bateman kind of similar. Um, whereas Addison, I actually think is, is really complimentary to them. Um, I know they have like Nelson Aguilar, but I think Addison, you know, he's not like a Zay Flowers type burner. Um, he's more of a guy who can get you separation at all three levels, extremely slippery, elusive with the ball in his hands. But I think that ability to separate downfield, um, it's always going to be there with Lamar Jackson. You know, it's a question of whether they've had, it's funny. Cause like now I'm thinking about Hollywood Brown in this offense. Um, yeah. and I like Addison better than I liked Hollywood Brown as a prospect. And maybe that's, sort of the comp I want to make here. Like, not that I think he's necessarily like Hollywood Brown, but rather I think he is actually um, a much more reliable pass catcher to begin with. And I think Hollywood Brown probably has more top end speed than Addison. No, but yeah, I think that element question. of the offense is what you can kind of bring back with this draft pick. So 
let's just get Lamar some weapons. Yeah. Keep bringing them on. Bateman, OBJ, let's add another into Addison. the equation. Yeah. Yeah, Addison. Just keep bringing those guys on. And I'm with you on Addison. I, I think he's he's my wide receiver, too, in this class. I think him and Jackson Smith and Jigba, wow. along with Zay Flowers, I think they're in a tier of their own in this draft class. So it wouldn't surprise me if either um, one of those three are the first off of the board. But I think Addison really fits a role that the Ravens need, especially with them. And the areas of the field that they like to attack, I think Addison could be really good. He can be good in the deeper portions of the field, too. As you mentioned, he reminds me a lot of Calvin Ridley when he was coming out of Alabama. Mm. So I think that's a great dynamic that they could add to that offense. But I'm up, and we have another trade. Oh, so many trades. Yeah. Minnesota is highly, highly upset with you just because you took the player that they were going to take at number 23. So – they're going to trade down, which is something I do expect to happen on draft day. I would be shocked if Quasey did not Less trade down. down. Yeah. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Um, so they trade with Cincinnati here. Cincinnati comes up mm. for a third round pick and they come up to select Kalijah Kansi, the defensive Ooh. tackle out of pit. And this is a bit of a luxury pick. This is a bit of a luxury pick just because Cincinnati needs help at offensive tackle. They could provide some competition to Lyle Collins, who hasn't been able to stay healthy. Then also tight end. I still think they have a need at tight end. But they see a player that they really like in Kalijah Kansi. And I think the most important part of Kalijah Kansi's NFL projection is that he's going to need to go to a team that rotates their defensive linemen very frequently just because the big thing about him is that he's just not consistent as a run defender right now. So why not add him into the mix alongside DJ Reader, BJ Hill, and some of the other big bodies that they have in there and then use him as a changeup on some passing downs. So we know from day one he's going to be able to rush the passer. That's – we know like that's what he's naturally able to do. He's going to be able to have a significant effect as far as being able to generate pressure and then finishing with sacks. So adding him into this defensive line rotation, I think will be a phenomenal fit for him. I you're that is such a good point about the right team having to be one that has a lot of defensive line depth where he can be used rotationally. And I, I, I know I whispered Michael Mayer sadly, and I know that's something that you know a lot of Bengals fans are wishing for. Um, but organizationally, this is a team that sooner rather than later is going to need young defensive talent, especially you know if they plan on paying all those offensive players. So they're going to need value on the defense. I like the pick. I love my next pick. All right, we're <laughs> at I think twenty four. Correct. Yes. Yes. 
with pick 24, the Jacksonville Jaguars take safety slash slot corner Brian Branch out of I Alabama. I, I love it. Love it for them. A team where you could point to a number of areas, uh, I think, where they could add either there's some holes and depth. But for me, the focus uh, needs to be an, an offensive line is a possibility there. I get it. But this past defense was not good last year. They still won, you know, the division. But if they want to continue to compete in the AFC with the likes of the Bengals and, and the Chiefs and whatnot, a million other teams now, this past defense needs to get better. They've already invested a ton into the front seven. They need some of those draft picks. Walker, for example, from last year to take a step up. On the back end, in the secondary, um, You've got some decent cornerbacks, but and and I, you know there's they're not devoid of talent, but it feels like Brian Branch to me would be like that skeleton key in the secondary, where he brings so much versatility and intelligence in coverage, and they can use him also as a blitzer and run defense, whatnot. Yeah he will unlock so many things for this defense and kind of everyone else can kind of fall into their best possible place next to him. So I just, you know, I, last week when I was talking about Brian branch with Deontay, I said, I felt like he was like, he he just seems so like the smartest player. I mean, just football IQ, his football IQ is incredible. And I think that's something that the Jags are missing or that they could use in the back. He played that infamous star position that Mika Fitzpatrick made famous during his time at Alabama. And you hear, we did Alabama's Pro Day this year, and you hear Nick Saban talk about him like his face just lights up when he talk, when he talked about him. And he plays so many different positions. Um, he could play nickel. He could play slot. He can be that overhang safety. He can be a free safety. There's so many different things that he can do. And he didn't test overly well. I think that's probably what made some people yeah. cool on him. But he plays much faster. Agree. What he timed in the 40. I think he ran four, five, eight or something like that, but he plays much faster. That Kansas State game in the bowl game, he was unbelievable. unbelievable like he was just at a different speed than everybody else. And the Jaguars, they're starting to piece together, piece together a really intriguing secondary. They want to keep Darius Williams and also Tyson Campbell on the outside, but they really lack that slot option. And Brian Branch, like you said, I think he could be the guy that makes everything right. Mm, love it. Okay. 25, the Giants. Yeah, this is another fascinating spot, and I think it has to be cornerback or wide receiver. But with all of the projected first-round cornerbacks off of the board, I think they have to go wide receiver right here, and I go with Quentin Johnston of TCU. Ooh, great. He's a, they have like 30 slot receivers, so yeah. he's going to look That's what yet. I was going to say. Have you ever seen that um, the video <laughs> of the tall guy in the costume running in the cornfield amongst the children? Yeah. You know, that's going to be Quentin Johnson yep. in the wide receiver room. Anyways, I love the pick. Tell me. But yeah, they have – that's exactly what I have in my notes. Like they have a bunch of smaller <laughs> wide receivers, Sterling Shepard, um, Jamison Crowder, uh, Wondell Robinson, there's so many shorter guys. And, I mean, they have Isaiah Hodgins. They bought over Paris Campbell. So they have some – Paris Campbell isn't a big guy, but Hodgins is. But yeah. they lack size in that wide receiver core. Only 11 receptions of 20-plus yards last year, which is amongst the lowest in the league. But one area where Johnston is going to be able to affect right away is down the field. And that's the way that TCU used him. But I think he's capable of being so much more on the NFL level just because TCU's offense was really all or nothing 
And that's the way that they used him. So I think you can use him in the screen game. You can use him as that big body over the middle of the field in the slot if you want to. But also, you can run him straight in a vertical line down the field, yeah. too. There's so many different things that he's going to be able to do. Needs to clean up his catch consistency. I think he had like a 10% drop rate last year, which is a very high number, which is has been very alarming to some teams. But there is some area of improvement for him there. So he needs to get better with his catch consistency. But this is a very crowded wide receiver depth chart, but they do lack size. So I like Johnston's fit here. One thing I love, too, about his fit in this offense in particular is I think Mike Kafka, you saw this a lot with the tight ends, is really good at generating yards after the catch, right? Like Daniel Jones isn't really pushing the ball downfield last year in the offense, but he found ways to get um, those tight ends open and then to get them the ball in space, basically. And I think if you can do that early on with Quentin Johnson, who's a nightmare with the ball in his hands, you can yeah. mitigate some of those drop issues. Um, yeah, I that'd be yeah. cool. I'd and they like bought it. over Darren Waller too, which a lot of people yes. forgot about. So Love. I mean, that's going to help him a lot. And he can see eye level with Darren Waller, so he'll have someone yeah. to talk to. Okay, <laughs> I am so stoked because I am the Dallas Cowboys. It is pick 26. I wouldn't even talk about it. I am running to the podium, and I am taking Jason Witten 2.0. Michael Mayer, come on down. Don't even need to talk about it. We need a tight end. We like to run the ball. We like to use play action. I've talked about Michael Mayer a million times on this podcast. We don't even have to get into it. I absolutely, this is like a dream. He looks like he should wear a Cowboys jersey. That's all, yeah. you know. Just give him, just give him 82. Just give him 82 and it. keep it moving. All right, we don't even talk about it. You're 27. This is a very interesting one for me. Yeah. The Buffalo Bills. A lot of ways you yeah. go here. And I'm really surprised that this player failed as far as he did, just because I've been hearing he could go as high as number nine to the Chicago Bears. So don't let that be surprising if he goes at number nine. And it's Darnell Wright, the offensive tackle out of Tennessee. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The Bills are in a really interesting spot just because they need a lot of help along the defensive line. Um, They also need help at linebacker. They still haven't found a replacement for Tremaine Edmonds. They want to keep Milano yeah. on the weak side just because it's a little bit undersized. You don't want that undersized Mike linebacker, so they could go inside linebacker. I could see them taking Drew Sanders. That wouldn't surprise me on draft day. But with Darnell Wright sitting here for them, I think this would be one of the those situations of where you just take the best player it, available it, and don't Yeah, take Darnell Wright here. Yeah, I, I love the idea of Drew Sanders as a Buffalo Bill, but if Darnell Wright's there at right tackle, you, you take that's yeah. replacement around. Yeah, they've been patient with Spencer Brown, but Darnell Wright would be a significant upgrade over Spencer Brown. And you plug and play him, you let him compete in training camp, but I think Darnell Wright would win that competition. I just can't get the mental image of Josh Allen running for his life in the playoffs. I mean, some of that was created by Josh Allen, so I don't want to put it all on the offensive line. But um, I think it was actually Spencer Brown, the the injury where he hurt his elbow. I think it came from the right side, if I remember correctly. Anyways, yeah, yeah, I give, give Josh Allen protected. All right, so I'm I, I'm down at 28. Got to zoom through these now. Um, sorry, I lied at the beginning when I said I was getting. Yeah, of course, I timed it poorly as always. Blame Aaron Rodgers. I'm the Vikings. I have 28 now. <laughs> okay, this is the one that I think people will disagree with, but I don't care because he's a guy that I like. Even though a lot of people I trust have mixed opinions, I'm taking Uh-oh. Jalen Hyatt out of Tennessee here. Oh, I, I wanted wow. Jordan Addison, but um, and they're not similar players, but well, they they're fast. I, I I want a wide receiver here. Um, 
we didn't take a quarterback. I'm going to go quarterback next year. I'm not taking Hendon Hooker here. Um, there's a bunch of different positions I could address. I'm, I'm tempted by one of the cornerbacks, but I think Jalen Hyatt can help Kirk Cousins continue to push the ball downfield more the way he did last season. Justin Jefferson obviously going to open up things for him. So um, to make the adjustment to the NFL a little bit easier. So yeah, I'm doing it. All right. I love it. Um, I'm on the clock again with the Saints at 29. This is another interesting team. They could go D-line. They could go tight end. But they go offensive line right here, and they go with Osiris Torrance, the guard out of Florida. There's some people that believe he's the best interior blocker in this entire draft, um, depending on if you have Peter Skaronsky graded as an interior offensive lineman. He's my top interior offensive lineman in this draft class. I have Skaronsky as a tackle, but – his resume is so impressive, Mina, just because he played three years at Louisiana Lafayette. He comes to Florida, and it seems as if he's still playing at Louisiana Lafayette. He was a first-team All-American. He's six foot five, 335 pounds, and you just plug and play him right now. I know Andrews Pete has battled some injuries over the past few years, but that left guard spot is what he's predominantly played throughout his career. He's also played on the right side, too, but of any offensive lineman in this draft class, he's the one I feel the best as far as projecting to the next level just because he's steady. He isn't an overly great mover, but he's just one of those dudes that's nearly impossible to get around. And you're definitely not running through him just because, I mean, he's like a boulder just sitting there. You're not going to be able to run through him at all. So I feel good about adding Torrance here. You plug and play him alongside some of the other offensive linemen that they have there. Yeah, I think he's... The best, depending on how you use Karansi, interior offensive lineman in the draft. It's, I mean, I, I would absolutely love this for them, for the Saints. So, yeah, makes a ton of sense. Um, okay, I'm the Eagles. So, we have Bijan, who we took at 19, right? That's because we tried it down from 10 to 19. And then now I'm picking again at 30. I know I told you I was going to take interior offensive line but i am pivoting oh ah it's the eagles they're you know they're i'm gonna take i'm gonna take will mcdonald here i changed my mind i don't know uh eagles fans are probably gonna be mad they're gonna hate that i was i think i said i could take brian brissy I don't really want to though. Um, yeah, I, look, if I if I'm the Eagles here, I'm probably going to go either offensive or defensive line. Um, I just think Will McDonald has the most upside of the remaining pass rushers. That's just my personal opinion, and he's not going to have to play a lot at first. Um, I guess he's a little bit he's old, right? That's not great. Yeah, he's 24. He'll be a 24-year-old rookie. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. What would you do here, Jordan? Uh, it's tough. I, I, w- I, w- I mean, I wouldn't have a problem with Will McDonald just because. No, you know what? Change it. Help. I'm taking Drew Sanders. I'm taking Drew Sanders here. There you go. I don't know. Is anyone mar- mocking yeah. linebackers to the Eagles? I don't know what the deal is. With you, have Nicole, and- you don't feel good about Nicobe Dean? Um, well, him and Drew Sanders have such different skill sets. Oh, I'm taking absolutely. Drew Sanders. I'm using him situationally as a pass rusher in year one and hoping he learns how to play linebacker. 
This is a terrible pick. I hate it. I'm so sorry, Eagles fans. I don't know. I was going to take Steve Avila. Then I was like, oh, I don't want to take a guard. If you're talking about guard. and Are there any other defensive linemen that feel Eagles-y to you? I'm looking at all um, the picks I skipped on. So one that is very Eagles-y to me is Felix and Adike Uzama. Oh, that's a good one. Kansas State. Yeah. He's one that I could definitely see them taking at 30. He's a little bit more stout than McDonald uh, as a run defender, but he's not as twitchy as McDonald as a run defender. So it's kind of like an either-or situation, depending on what flavor you All like right. better. But like he's that. one I That's definitely... my pick. Yeah, Jordan knew I picked <laughs> There we go. Right. You have pick 31. You traded down. You're the Seahawks. Chiefs. So this is a very Seahawksy pick. I know we're using a lot of whys on the end. Are you taking teams. a running? You better not be taking a running back, Jordan. I, I, I am not taking a running back. It is a tight end. And we talked about them earlier, falling in love with unique body types. And we're going with Darnell Washington. I love this. I love this. Out of Georgia. I absolutely love it. He reminds me of Martellus Bennett. He's literally exactly like Martellus Bennett. Their measurables are exactly the same. They tested exactly the same, and their skill set is exactly the same. Now, I think Bennett was a little bit better as far as a pass catcher, but I think Darnell Washington has some untapped upside as a pass catcher. But we know from day one he's going to be an inline blocker, and we know Pete Carroll wants to run the football, so he's going to help them in that area right away. But also, um, 61% of his routes came inline from Georgia last year, so he has experience inline. He also has experience in the slot as well. So he's going to be able to check a lot of boxes for Seattle. So yeah, Darnell Washington is a player that I think Pete is going to fall in love with just because we talked about the unique body types that they love. We already have Tyree Wilson already, who's a very unique body type. Darnell Washington is in a similar mold, very similar to Martellus Bennett. They're the exact same height, 6'7", 270 pounds. They tested identically. Um, as far as in their measurables and then their testing numbers. And then in the passing game, we talked about how much they like to incorporate the tight end. 61% of his routes came in line at Georgia last year. So he's a bit of a changeup as far as he can help you as a run blocker. He can help you in the passing game too. And it's just one of those situations of where you can see Pete taking his shirt off like you did with DK Metcalf <laughs> and falling in love Think so, with Jack. Darnell Washington's body. Yeah, <laughs> man, I, I would – the red zone, dude. No, yeah. I – I mean, you're right. They love the tight ends. They used a ton of 13 personnel last year. Like, I think everyone's got the Seahawks taking a receiver. But if they were picking here with the receivers that you and I have already taken off of the board, I would rather have Darnell Washington than, like, some. I think that next tier of receivers. So makes a ton of sense to me personally. And yeah. I, I think it'd be really great. I, I love that pick. All right. I have the last pick. And then we're out. I am the Steelers. Uh, we already have Deontay Banks. I'm going to go back to the offense, and I'm going to take Anton Harrison out of Oklahoma. The Steelers made really like an excessive amount of effort to improve the interior of the offensive line yeah. this year, but tackle remains uh, a dubious proposition <laughs> for them. Uh, with you know Dan Moore Jr. is now still on the left side. I want Anton Harrison to be my tackle, left tackle of the future. Um, protect Kenny Pickett. I feel like offensive line makes a ton of sense for them here. So, yeah. yeah, It makes a lot of sense. And he's a player that's kind of been underrated in this class. You hear about all the other big names, Skaronsky, Jones, Johnson, and Wright. Harrison's kind of the one that's kind of been lost in the shuffle a little bit. 
We did it. Oh my gosh. We, did it. we made uh, it. I give you an A. We made it. I give you an A plus. <laughs> All right, Jordan. <laughs> that was really fun. You can yell at me on Twitter if you don't like our picks for your team. But otherwise, I uh, will see you guys next week at uh, Recapping the Draft. And I'll see you in Kansas City.